song, such wonderful truth there, that uh, we can say, it is well with my soul because Christ has regarded our helpless estate. Amen. 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 Praise the Lord for that. Let's take our Bibles this morning. We're going to turn to the book of 1 Samuel, chapter number 27. Chapter 27, 1 Samuel 27. And uh, I'll let you remain seated here for a moment. We'll stand in a minute. But, uh, in 1 Samuel 27, David here finds himself in a difficult place. He's been on the run now from uh, King Saul, fearing his life. Saul, at no fault of David's by any means, had just become jealous and envious and decided that uh, David can no longer live. And Because he called the king, Saul, the Lord's anointed. And he said, I, I, you know, I can't touch the Lord's anointed. I can't take his life. At one point, he cut off uh, part of Saul's robe in order to show him that he had his life in his hand and spared him. Another time, he, he took his spear and his water and, and, and called out to him. And he said, look what I have here, basically. I, I could have taken your life, but I counted your life dear unto myself. And, and uh, he was... Uh, no doubt becoming weary, fleeing for his life at no fault of his own. But to, see, David had something that most of us don't have, and that was David had a promise from God that this trial in his life would not be the end of him. You see, just several chapters earlier, we read of God using the prophet Samuel to anoint David to be the next king over Israel. It was a promise from God that when God finally was done with Saul, that king who had become wicked in his own heart and rebellious against God, when God finally put him away, that David would rise up in leadership over his people. That was something that God had showed him, and not only him, but the nation as a whole. They had that understanding. And the Lord had even exalted him in the eyes of the people. And you might remember that they, they sang a song that Saul has slain his thousands and David his ten thousands. They were able to see that God's hand was on David. And so David could live with that assurance that one day, as difficult as these trials are, one day they're all going to be a thing of the past, and God's going to put me in the place that he's promised to put me. But we find here after some time on the run and two different occasions of, uh, of Saul coming to him and promising that he would never try to take his life again, but going back on those promises that David 
takes a little different perspective. And so we, we're here in 1 Samuel 27. If you're able and you'd like to stand for the reading of the scripture, I'd invite you to do that. If you're not able to, you can remain seated, and that's just fine. 1 Samuel chapter 27, I want you to notice verse number 1. We're going to read the first three verses here. It says, And David said in his heart. Let me just stop there for a moment and say, the things that you say in your heart are a lot more real sometimes than the things you say out of your mouth. It's that which you have chosen to believe and accept as reality. It says, And David said in his heart, I shall now perish one day by the hand of Saul. There is nothing better for me than that I should speedily escape into the land of the Philistines. And Saul shall despair of me to seek me any more in any coast of Israel, so shall I escape out of his hand. <laughs> and David arose, and he passed over with the six hundred men that were with him unto Achish, the son of Maok, king of Gath. And David dwelt with Achish at Gath, he and his men, Every man with his household, even David with his two wives, Ahinoam the Jezreelitess, and Abigail the Carmelitess, Nabal's wife. And it was told Saul that David was fled to Gath, and he sought him no more, he sought no more again for him. I want to preach to you this morning on the danger of a discouraged heart. The danger of a discouraged heart. Let's have a word of prayer. Heavenly Father, this morning as we look into your word, I pray that you would just open our understanding. And Father, if there are some here that are struggling and maybe just feeling a little bit desperate and maybe even a little bit hopeless today, I pray that through your word that they would find encouragement to keep going on and pressing on for the glory of God. Lord, I pray that you would use this message in our lives to draw us closer to you and help us to remain faithful to you until the coming of our Lord and Savior. We ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen. You can be seated. Discouragement... <clears throat> is a very real thing for many of us here. In fact, maybe, maybe every one of us has faced a time in our lives where we've been downhearted, we've been discouraged, we've just felt as though there's little hope for our circumstances to change. Maybe it's been some kind of a prolonged trial that you've faced, unanswered prayers, it seems, that things you've been praying that God would do for many months or maybe many years and the answer hasn't yet come and and we've found ourselves at different times a little bit hopeless and wondering if there is relief from our problems David found himself in this situation as I mentioned earlier as he was running from Saul and and though he had a promise from God the circumstances in his life made it seem as though that promise was so distant that it wasn't even real. Have you ever been in a situation, a trial, a valley where you just, it feels to you, even though you know better, even though you know that God has promised, for instance, to answer prayer, He's promised that He cares for you and that He loves you. Have you ever felt as though that, that those promises of God, they just seem empty because the circumstances that you're living in feel so hopeless. That's where David was. He knew what God had said, but it just didn't seem possible that there was ever any deliverance from this trial. He had tried his best to appease Saul, to please Saul. He had been a loyal follower of Saul's, and yet Saul 
ignored all of that and continued to pursue him and try to take his life. And David, time after time after time, his hopes of ever being restored into fellowship with Saul or to the kingdom were dashed over and over again. And he found himself wondering if there was ever relief in sight. Probably the hardest thing about these circumstances and situations in life that we find ourselves in sometimes is it seems that in those valleys, in those trials, that God seems distant. And when God seems distant, here's what happens. You, you understand this, that things that are distant seem kind of small, don't they? And let's be honest, there are times in our lives where trials and discouragement can begin to make us feel as though God is small. And because we are consumed with the reality of the difficulties all around us, maybe it's some kind of a, a health issue that you've been dealing with for, for so long and there just seems to be no end in sight. Some kind of a financial problem or a family problem. Maybe you parents have a, a wayward child that you've been praying for and it just seems as though things are never going to change. And because you're focused on all these circumstances that are around you, those are the things that seem big and God, who seems so distant, seems small. And folks, I just want to say, though discouragement is a reality, it's something that all of us face from time to time, I want you to know that if you find yourself in a place of deep discouragement and despair, that is a dangerous place to dwell. You see, David, in his discouragement, made some really bad decisions. Decisions that had consequences. Decisions that, though from a human perspective, nobody could blame him for making these decisions. From, from God's perspective, it was really leaving God's will for his life and throwing in the towel on what God had called him to do. I want to show you some of the danger of a discouraged heart this morning and just encourage you today, if you are in a place of discouragement, to consider these things and to be warned that you don't fall into the same trap that David did. First of all, I want to show you that David became susceptible. He became susceptible to believing lies. Notice it says in verse number 1 of 1 Samuel 27, And David said in his heart, I shall now perish one day by the hand of Saul. David said, one day Saul is going to kill me. Now, if he would have considered in, his moment, in, in that moment the promise of God in his life, he would have known that's not possible. Saul could no more have, have killed him than, than, than anything else. There was no way that Saul could have killed David. Why? Because God had committed to David that he was going to be the next king once Saul was gone. But in his heart, he started to believe a lie. I'm never going to get past this. Saul will one day catch up with me and kill me. And you know what he actually, what, what happened? The lie that he was being told or, or that, that, that he was trying, that the enemy was trying to convince him of became more real to him than God's promise. It became more real to him than God's promise. And in his heart, he said, there's no more hope. 
And then he said, listen to these words, immediately after saying, I shall now perish one day by the hand of Saul, then he said this, there is nothing better for me than that I should speedily escape into the land of the Philistines. The best thing that could ever happen in my life from this point forward is to just quit being a leader in Israel and go and live among the enemies of Israel, the Philistines. There is nothing better for me Folks, I have dealt with an awful lot of discouraged folks. And I've counseled people in times of deep despair and circumstances and situations that are just unfathomable. And one thing I hear coming out of the mouths of these people so frequently is something to the effect of there's nothing better for me. They're, they're just... You know, I, I've just got to kind of give up and give in because there is no solution to this problem. There's nothing better for me. And folks, I just want to say to you that there is something better for you. God's will is better. Living in the center of God's will is better than giving up. It's tragic the number of people who come to a point of despair and hopelessness in their lives to, to such a degree that they really believe there's nothing better for them than to end their own life. And we see today suicide rates higher than they've ever been in history, in the history of our nation. That's tragic, folks. It's tragic. You know why that happens, though? Because people believe the lie that there's nothing better for them. But I want to say to you, that is a lie. And it's important for you to understand that that's where lies come from, is from our enemy. Satan, the Bible says, Jesus said that Satan was a liar from the beginning. When he, when he speaketh a lie, he speaketh of his own. I mean, it just comes from him. He's a liar and the father of it. Amen. And so often people think of, of Satan, the devil, as this, um, you know, mythical creature with, uh, with a tail and a pitchfork who just delights in in causing misery and problems in people. But do you know that actually the devil's greatest tactic and tool that he uses against you is to tell you lies and to try and cause you to believe it, to doubt God's truth and his promises? We read in Ephesians chapter 6. In fact, let's hold our place here in 1 Samuel, if you would, and go with me to the book of Ephesians in the New Testament. In chapter 6, and the Bible talks here in Ephesians 6, about being able to stand against the wiles of the devil, being able to, to stand against his attacks in our lives. And notice what he says in Ephesians 6 and verse number 12. He says, For we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of the darkness of this world, against spiritual wickedness in high places, Wherefore, take unto you the whole armor of God, that ye may be able to withstand in the evil day, and having done all to stand. Notice what he says in verse 14. Stand therefore, having your loins girt about with what? Truth. Truth. Verse number 16. Above all, taking the shield of faith, wherewith ye shall be able to quench all the fiery darts of the wicked. Do you know what Satan uses to try and attack you and to tear you down and to cause you to fall and to leave the will of God in your life? He uses lies. 
And in order to combat those lies, here's what you need. Truth and faith. In other words, you need to believe God's promises. You need to stand on His Word. You need to say to yourself, I know that in this moment, I might feel this way, but I don't live by my feelings. I live by the faith in the Word of God and what He has said. And that's what really matters. It's not about how you feel. It's not even about your desperation, friend. It's about the, the foundation that we have of truth in Christ and that He has given to us According to the Bible, exceeding great and precious promises. And he has promised us in his word that he'll never leave us nor forsake us. And he's promised us in his word that all things work together for good to them that love God, to them who are the called according to his purpose. And he's promised us in his word that if we'll call unto him, that he'll answer us and show us great and mighty things which we know not. And God has given us promise after promise after promise in his word to tell us, even in our moment of despair, there's hope for you. David became susceptible to lies. But I want you to notice that because he became susceptible to lies, he made some decisions that had some side effects. They had some consequences. It says in verse number 2 of 1 Samuel 27, I asked you to hold your place there. I hope you listen. We'll go back to 1 Samuel 27. Verse number 2, it says, And David arose, and he passed over with the 600 men that were with him unto Achish, the son of Maok, king of Gath, and David dwelt with Achish at Gath, he and his men, every man with his household. You know what the consequence of this decision was? This decision that David made in a moment of desperation? Here you have a man who has the Lord's hand upon him. He's the anointed of the Lord. The Spirit of God dwelt upon David. And, and the Lord had used David to deliver Israel out of the hand of their enemies, the Philistines, time and time again. And probably the greatest and most well-known victory of all was that of the slaying of the giant, Goliath, the story that we all know so, so well. But here's the ironic thing. Goliath was a champion of the Philistines. He was a man from the city of Gath. And now... David, this man who has the Spirit of the Lord abiding upon him, who has delivered Israel out of the hand of the Philistines because of his desperation, his despair, his discouragement, he has now left Israel and he's living in the land of the Philistines in the very city of Goliath, dwelling with the king of Achish. And not only him, not only him, but the 600 men that were with him following him and all their wives and all their children. You know there's a lesson to be learned in that. When we make a decision to leave the will of God for our lives, it doesn't only affect us. It affects others around us. It'll affect your family. 
If in a moment of despair, when you tell yourself, there's nothing better for me, I'm just going to give in. I'm just going to yield to this temptation, to this sin. I can never overcome this particular addiction. I'm never going to be able to get past this relational problem. And there's just no hope for me in this or that. And we just decide to throw in the towel and give up on God's best. Don't be deceived into believing that it doesn't affect other people because it does. It'll affect your family. It will affect our church. It'll affect the lost people around you that God has put in your life so that you can reach them with the gospel. I've often thought about Jonah, that prophet of God who chose to flee from the will of God. He gets in a ship and he's on his way to Tarshish. He's fleeing from the presence of the Lord. God brings up a storm there on the sea. And here you got a ship full of people that are about to die because of the rebellion of one prophet, one man of God that's left the will of God. And the Bible says that every man was calling upon his God, the false gods that they worship. They're praying to their false gods, hoping for deliverance. Meanwhile, there is a man of God in the bottom of the ship who's asleep. That's what happens when we leave the will of God for our lives. We begin to have a negative effect on others around us. David's sin here in leaving the will of God for his life and going and dwelling among the Philistines brought other consequences in his life. If you look over to the next chapter, maybe just across the page there in verse number 1, it says, and it came to pass in those days that the Philistines gathered their armies together for warfare to fight with Israel. And Achish said unto David, Know thou assuredly that thou shalt go with me to battle, thou and thy men. And David said to Achish, Surely thou shalt know what thy servant can do. And Achish said to David, Therefore will I make thee keeper of mine head forever. So now you've got the Philistines once again going to battle against their enemies, Israel. And David finds himself in a situation where he has no choice but to join them and fight against God's chosen people. Folks, that's not a position I'd want to find myself in. Saul was out of the will of God, was rebelling against God, but the nation of Israel was still God's people. And David was supposed to be a deliverer of Israel. He was supposed to be a leader in Israel. And now he finds himself in a position where he actually almost ends up going to battle against his own people. He had no choice. He's trying to live kind of <clears throat> under the radar there in the land of the Philistines. Now, God providentially spared him from having to fight against Israel because the Philistine princes said to Achish, you know, we don't trust this guy. He's going to, in the middle of the battle, he's going to rise up against us and fight with Israel. Send him home. And so God spared him from having to fight with Israel. But then go forward a page, if you would, to chapter 30. So David leaves now after he's, he's, on, he's been on his way to go fight against Israel. He's now been sent back to Ziklag, which is the the area that, that he and his men were living. And it says in verse number 1 of chapter 30, it came to pass when David and his men were come to Ziklag on the third day that the Amalekites invaded the south and Ziklag 
and had smitten Ziklag and burned it with fire. And they had taken the women captives that were therein. They slew not any, either great or small, but carried them away and went on their way. So David and his men came to the city, and behold, it was burned with fire, and their wives and their sons and their daughters were taken captives. Then David and all the people that were with him lifted up their voice and wept until they had no more power to weep. And David's two wives were taken captives, Ahinoam the Jezreelitess and Abigail, the wife of Nabal the Carmelite. So now, once again, here's another consequence. David gets out of the will of God, and now... He and his men have lost their families. They've been taken captive. His, their wives, their children, they're gone. Everything that they own is gone. The city that they've been living in is burned with fire. They lifted up their voices and they wept until there was no, no more power to weep. <laughs> you see, when you get out of the will of God, friend, I want you to know the consequences can be painful and great. God has a will and a plan for your life, and though you may not understand exactly why God is doing this or that, you can trust that His will is always better than yours. And it's better to remain where God wants you to remain than trying to find your own solution to your own problem. Hold your place here in 1 Samuel. Go back to the previous book, the book of Ruth, if you would, very quickly. Ruth chapter number 1. Ruth is a short but fascinating book in the Bible that occurred in the time period that we know as the Judges. It says in uh, verse number 1 of Ruth 1, Now it came to pass in the days when the Judges ruled that there was a famine in the land. Now a famine... That's a tough place to live. It's a tough place to be. It says, And a certain man of Bethlehem, Judah, went to sojourn in the country of Moab, he and his wife and his two sons. Now Moab, again, was another place that was a, an enemy of Israel. The Moabites were, and, and God had told them not to have any association or affiliation with the Moabites. But this man, Elimelech, this man of Bethlehem, Judah, decides, you know, it's better to go and live in the enemy's land because there's food there, whereas here in Bethlehem, Judah, and in Israel, uh, we're in a time of famine. Verse 2, and the name of the man was Elimelech, and the name of his wife, Naomi, and the name of his two sons, Malon and Chilion, Ephrathites of Bethlehem, Judah. And they came into the country of Moab and continued there. If you know the story, here's what happens. Elimelech dies there in the land. Their two sons marry Moabite women. And then eventually those two sons die. And here we find Naomi, this woman whose name means pleasant and blessed. We find her living in a foreign land. A widow, having lost her two sons... She's living with her two daughters-in-law and decides to go back to Judah, go, decides to go back in the land of Israel. One of her daughters-in-law stays there in the land of Moab, but the other, Ruth, continues with her. And the story goes on from there, really focused on Ruth and God's work in her life. But I want you to notice the end of the chapter. 
of chapter 1. It says in verse number 19, So they too went until they came to Bethlehem. And it came to pass when they were come to Bethlehem that all the city was moved about them, and they said, Is this Naomi? And she said unto them, Call me not Naomi. Remember, Naomi means pleasant and blessed. She said, Call me not Naomi. Call me Mara. The word Mara means bitter. Call me not Naomi. Call me not pleasant and blessed, but call me bitter. Why? For the Almighty hath dealt very bitterly with me. And listen to her perspective. I went out full... And the Lord hath brought me home again empty. Now, how could Naomi say, I went out full? I thought when you left, I thought when you left Israel, you were in a time of famine. At that moment, you wouldn't have said that you were blessed. You wouldn't have said that things were going well for you. But now looking back at where you were then and where you are today, here's your attitude. I should have never left. I should have never left. And friend, let me just tell you, when you leave the will of God for your life, regardless of the reason, maybe you feel like there's just nothing better for me. It would just be better to throw in the towel and quit obeying God and just live for myself and fulfill my own desires, whatever the case is, you will one day look back with regret. She said, I went out full, but I came back empty. So we find that David was reaping some consequences in his life because in a moment of despair, he had a lapse of faith and, and decided to follow his own wisdom rather than trusting in the Lord. And things are looking worse for David than they've ever looked before. But as we go back to 1 Samuel chapter number 30, I want to show you that there is a solution to this. There's a solution to a discouraged heart. If you're here today and you're, you're discouraged, you're worn out, you're tired, and you feel like giving up and giving in, there's a solution and there's hope for you. Look at verse number 6. It says, and David was, uh, chapter 30, 1 Samuel 30, verse 6, and David was greatly distressed, for the people spake of stoning him. <laughs> so now even these people who are loyal to David, they're, they're ready to kill him because they're so helpless and so hopeless where they are. Because the soul of all the people was grieved, every man for his sons and for his daughters. But listen to this. But David encouraged himself in the Lord his God. David encouraged himself in the Lord his God. I, I want to remind you that the circumstances that David found himself in were the worst of his life. This was a bad situation. David had no reason to be able to encourage himself in the circumstances. David didn't just decide, you know what? I think once and for all, I'm going to be a glasses half empty type of person and start looking at the positive side of life. You know, that can work sometimes, but not in deep despair. If David looked at the circumstances, there wasn't much to rejoice in. There wasn't anything he could say, you know, really, it's not that bad. And I think a better day is coming. <laughs> no, David more than ever had reason to despair. But how could he find encouragement? How could he find help? He encouraged himself in the Lord. 
He found his strength. He found his encouragement. Not in the situation, not in the lack of the severity of the situation, but he found his encouragement in, in the person of God. You see, I've said it over and over, but the reason that we can continue on, even when life is continually changing, even when one, from one day to the next, we don't know what's going to happen, you know, the reason that we can continue on in joy and in peace is because God never changes. Really, God never changes. Jesus Christ is the same yesterday and today and forever. The Bible, speaking of God, says that in Him there is no variableness, neither shadow of turning. And David's God is my God. And the same God that saved me all those years ago is the same God who continues to be with me today. And regardless of the circumstances, I can find strength and encouragement in Him. The Bible says rejoice in the Lord always. And again, I say rejoice. You say, how can I rejoice in the circumstances? Don't rejoice in the circumstances. Rejoice in the Lord. Rejoice in Him. Set your eyes upon Him. The Bible says in Isaiah 26 in verse number 3, Thou wilt keep Him in perfect peace, whose mind is stayed on Thee, because He trusteth in Thee. Where does peace come from? It doesn't come from never having a storm, never having a trial. It comes from knowing that we have an anchor in the midst of a storm. We have a foundation that we're never going to lose in Christ. David encouraged himself in the Lord his God. Go with me, if you would, to the book of Psalms. Psalm 42. Psalm 42. We find the prayer of a, of a man who finds himself in a time of desperation. It says in verse number 1, As the heart panteth after the water brooks, so panteth my soul after thee, O God. My soul thirsteth for God, for the living God. When shall I come and appear before God? My tears have been my meat day and night, while they continually say unto me, Where is thy God? When I remember these things, I pour out my soul in me. For I had gone with the multitude. I went with them to the house of God with the voice of joy and praise with a multitude that kept holy day. In other words, there was a time in my life that I was happy and joyful in the Lord, but now... It seems like God's not listening, that God's not answering, and now my, my joy has been replaced with tears. My tears have been my meat day and night. But notice he says in verse number 5, he asks this question to himself, Why art thou cast down, O my soul? And why art thou disquieted in me? Hope thou in God. For I shall yet praise him for the help of his countenance. You know, we find the exact same statement at the end of the chapter. Why art thou cast down, O my soul? And why art thou disquieted within me? Hope thou in God, for I shall yet praise him who is the health of my countenance and my God. And then we see the same thing over in chapter 43 in verse number 5. Same wording. 
It's this continual question to myself. Why am, I, why am I in a time of despair? Why am I so discouraged? Why is my soul, my heart, why is it cast down within me? And then a response to that, hope thou in God. Hope thou in God. Friend, I don't know what you're facing today, and I don't know why you might be discouraged. You may very well have reason to be discouraged. But hope thou in God. Find your strength in Him. Set your mind upon Him. Encourage yourself in the Lord. Stand upon His promises and live by faith in His truth. There is something better for you than to give in. Don't believe the lies that the enemy wants you to believe. God is at work in your life. Let's pray.